Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. Without question, we are the official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. And we do it like we do, ladies and gentlemen, every week. And so, um, you know, this podcast, I must say, um, has evolved in so many ways, John. Um, and I love it when it comes back to these type of episodes, um, only because the stories are great. You know, we know how inspirational um, and and that exudes a lot. It goes a long way for our peers. However, the knowledge is also necessary. And I think that this episode doesn't disappoint with the amount of knowledge you'll get, especially, I can tell you, every time we do something like this um, and the expert comes on, I'm taking my notes, you know, yeah, and right. it, it's so helpful. So um, why don't you let us know? Yeah, yeah, well said, Jack. Uh, not only do we like to tell the human side of the, the profession, but every now and then we like to dive into the technical pieces. We talked about solar the other week. Uh, we've talked about cybersecurity before. And today uh, we are leaning into E-Rate, a federal program that many of you are probably familiar with. And today we have uh, Winston Hemsworth. He is the senior director at E-Rate Central. And he gives us a full soup to nuts explanation of E-Rate from where it was born back in the late 90s to how it's performing today and how schools can take advantage of federal funding that is really meant to increase the accessibility to students uh, online and broadband services as well. And hopefully, as you'll, you'll see, maybe cybersecurity in the future. So uh, we really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And here's our conversation with Winston Hemsworth. Today on the podcast, we have Winston Hemsworth. He is the Senior Director at E-Rate Central. Winston, thanks for joining us today. We're happy to have you. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Winston, such a pleasure again. I mean, uh, we, as the SBO Perspectives podcast, uh, just try to make sure that, uh, that we have folks like you on to help our peers, right? Uh, so, you know, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, and with that, you know, we really, anybody who comes on here, we like to always get a gain a sense of who you are. So um, if you don't mind, maybe take a moment to just sort of like, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, your experience, and, you know, how your role is involved with E-Rate, Consulting for School Districts. Okay, Jack. Um, my background, if, I, if you go way back, is and has always been in the telecommunications area and a little bit of IT, um, and specifically uh, had gotten before before I got involved in E-rate uh, in uh, things involving uh, the Federal Communications Commission and regulation and things like that. So when the E-rate program started and the first year of, of funding of that was uh, 1998, it was kind of a perfect thing for us. Not only did I have the background in telecommunications and with the FCC, but my family has always been deeply involved in the education field. My wife taught, her sister taught, my daughter's still teaching down in Florida. I've got a couple of nephews who are teaching. Um, so I, I really, I really love this business, and and E-rate was a way to pull that all together. Um, E-Rate Central is one of the larger consulting firms in the United States in E-Rate. We've got about 
750 clients uh, across wow. the country. Um, schools and and libraries. Um, okay. And we work with seven different states with their state education or library systems providing general support. So my biggest role right now is I am the um, New York State E-Rate coordinator under contract with the New York State Education Department. How long have you been uh, in that role? Well, the program um, started in 1998. There was some a lot of preliminary stuff that took place in 1997. Um, and in fact, that's what got us initially involved with New York State because we were working with Nassau BOCES out on Long Island. And, and a lot of the material we put together, we were sharing with the tech people at State Education Department. So that involved into uh, a role helping the state as well in the early oh, 25 days. 25 years. So you've been oh, pretty yeah. much the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so awesome. I mean, it, the, the, the E-Rate program has been around for 25 years, um, and I'm sure all of our listeners have heard about E-Rate in one form or another, but for those who may not be as familiar or participating in E-Rate, can you kind of break it down for us and explain exactly what E-Rate is? Well, I'll give you a short answer, which, which I've provided to my wife, who in the early days of E-Rate had, <laughs> had a difficulty explaining at a party when someone said, what does your husband do? <laughs> um, and so I finally gave her an answer, and she found that when she used that, they stopped asking questions. Um, but basically what I tell people is um, we're involved in a program nationwide that provides discounted services for telecommunications and um, internet services to schools and public libraries across the country on a discounted basis. Uh, so, you know, to get a little bit more into the weeds, specifically what the program does is provide discounts on internet services um, and on uh, networking equipment and services within schools up to 90%, depending upon uh, the poverty level of the school as, as reflected in um, participation in the National School Lunch Program. Um, like, I guess, any other federal program that uh, gives out money, um, the program can get a little bureaucratic at times, uh, and and kind of properly so 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 you're it's a program where you're applying for uh funding in these discounts every year uh there's a whole series of forms that need to be filled out uh to get through a given cycle in every given given school year you're typically working with the past funding year to make sure you get all of your invoices paid uh, the current year, and then you're applying for the next year. And, and all these forms have deadlines. So it is something that uh, a school district administrator can handle by themselves. Um, but what we found in the reason the consulting business is picked up is that people like yourselves have a lot of other things to do besides E-rate um, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, we participate in E-Rate. It's pretty 
pretty heavy lift. I mean, there's a lot of forms, there's a lot of data to track. So consulting services certainly, certainly helps. And to just kind of follow up on what E-Rate is, can you speak to the impetus of the program? Like why was it born and what, what problem was it trying to solve? Well, it's two, there's two aspects of that. Uh, one was the recognition that the schools were moving more and more towards online services, and that was going to become important. And the whole thrust of the FCC, not just in this program, uh, but more broadly, uh, is now to support broadband uh, expansion and availability um, across the nation. Um, it, it's funded out of what's called a universal service program, universal service fund. Um, and the whole purpose of that fund initially was to provide um, basic telephone service to everyone in the United States. That goes back to 1934. Uh, so they set up a system where the telephone companies themselves would kick into a pool, and that pool was used to subsidize telephone service in high-cost areas, predominantly rural. Um, and then they came up with another program uh, that supported telephone service for low-income families. And in 1996, they revised the Communication Act and created two new programs. Uh, one was uh, what we now know as E-Rate. It's actually a Schools and Libraries Fund. Uh, and then there's another small one that helps on rural health. Um, so... Yeah, not to cut you off there, um, Winston, you're now speaking about this universal fund, right? Right. And we've been keeping track of it. Um, you know, this program, you know, has been around federal programs since the mid-90s. And, you know, it's certain telecommunication services, spending cap about $4.4 billion. Um, but in recent years, and, you know, I'd say last year in particular, much less has been allocated. Um, we saw $2.5 billion in 2022. With that, why do you think there has been this downward trend? And um, my second part of this question here actually is, do you find that schools are not really uh, fully utilizing their funds? You know, funding the last couple of years has been up a touch. Um, it was about $2.8 billion last year. Uh, the initial applications that come in for this coming year which is the 2023 to 2024, was just a shade um, over $3 billion. But you're right, it's, it's down from the, uh, the cap on the program, which is now up at $4.8 billion. And we've never come okay. close to using that. The, uh, five or six years ago, the FCC expanded uh, the funding um, because we had been capped before that um, more at the $2 billion level. Um, so we're seeing it being used for what is eligible now. One of the things that's kept it down is that the cost of bandwidth um, for broadband services um, has been dropping on a, on a megabit basis. So people are getting much more for the same amount of money. Uh, where we're seeing limitations 
is on the second aspect of E-rate, which is to support routers, hub switches, um, wireless access within the schools, um, because there they've set a, a budget cap on each of the schools and libraries. And how are those budget caps determined? Is that politicking year to year? Is that based on need? Like how do how do those numbers come to fruition? The way it's set up now, and it's been this way for five or six years, is they give each school district uh, or library or library system a budget that is based on the number of students. So we are now in a five-year budget cycle that started in funding year 2021, goes through 2025, where a district is limited to a pre-discount budget of $167 a student. Uh, libraries are on a square foot basis because they don't have a lot of students. Um, and pre-discount means that um, if you end up with a budget of uh, $50,000 uh, and you have a discount rate of 80%, 80 um, then you really have up to $40,000 of discounts. Uh, we are in the middle of that five-year cycle now. Uh, because it's a five-year cycle, most of the school districts tend to plan uh, to use that money over that five-year period, about seven, eight percent of the applicants now have used almost all of the budget. Um, I'd like to see that budget raised. Uh, it used to be that for this type of equipment, uh, they would allow purchases each year um, at a, increasing amounts based on inflation but they set the current five-year budget back in 2001. In fact, we recently filed uh, comments with the FCC suggesting that uh, they should really look at, if they're gonna take inflation into account, what's inflation gonna be over the five-year cycle, not what it was in the first year. And my other follow-up was a lot of districts are experiencing a decline in enrollment. Are you seeing that impacting the available funding to individual districts? Um, not yet. And the reason for that is, um, when they did set the initial budget set on, based on the number of students, um, they set it as sort of the minimum. If your student count dropped, they did not reduce the budget. Okay. But if the student count increased, which is what we're seeing in a lot of the charter schools in particular. Um, then you can go in and ask them to increase the budget. Got it. Got it. And you, you touched on this briefly as you as you were going through um, E-rate and its funding. But a few years ago, E-rate really started to shift the focus to what is called Category 2 funding, yep. um, which focuses more on high-speed broadband infrastructure, things like that. Um, can you explain the difference between Category 1 and Category 2 funding? And with the shift to Category 2 funding, why has that been a focus and how is that really benefiting schools today? Yeah, the best way to think about the difference between Category 1 and Category 2 is that Category 1 supports services to bring uh, broadband internet 
into a school, whereas category two deals with equipment to distribute broadband within a school. So if you're building a network that links all your schools together and and is provides the internet service to bring it in, that's category one. But you clearly need to distribute within the school, either wired or wirelessly, um, and that's all category two. In before they expanded E-rate, they were at a stage where all of what is now category two was considered priority two, and they didn't have enough money each year uh, to fund all of the requests for that. And so they had a, a scheme where they would fund the applicants with the greatest discounts first, and then at some level, there was just no more money for for priority two. So when they went to the new budget scheme, they added dollars in it. Uh, we've had enough money, uh, as you point out, and more than enough money uh, to fund even more than we're doing right now. Uh, I mean, the the biggest issue I think from the FCC standpoint is. E-rate is only one of the four programs that's funded out of this universal service fund. The universal service fund is funded by a percentage of the revenues of long distance telephone companies. And that percentage, which started out as a single digit percentage, is now over 30% in, in various quarters. It's been over 30% in two of the last four quarters, I believe. Not because the demand on the fund is that great, but because long distance telephone revenues have fallen dramatically as competition has brought down the cost. You and I don't think anymore about how much it costs to make a long distance phone call, but we used to. This is true. So, you know, Winston, with currently about two thirds or 67% of U.S. school districts now meeting or exceeding the, the FCC's goal of providing at least one megabit per second um, per student in their classrooms. You know, that's pretty good progress um, nationwide. However, um, about 23.5 million students still attend schools that lack the adequate bandwidth as necessary. Um, where do you think they can maybe find some impro- possible room for improvement here? The biggest problem today is still schools in the in the rural areas, and there it's not so much the lack of e-rate funding; it's the ability for anyone in that area, not just the schools, to get broadband. Um, e-rate funding can allow a school district to bring in its own internet service from long distance away. Um, but we're, but the application process is long and difficult for that. Um, so what you're seeing is not just an E-rate, but across um, what the FCC is trying to do is again, build infrastructure for broadband into those rural areas. Um, 
we work with some of the the uh, tribal schools uh, who are in preservation areas where there's virtually nothing out there uh, unless you build something up from scratch because the commercial carriers have not found it to be an attractive market. So who's really pushing that movement? Is the FCC trying to corral commercial carriers to run those data lines out to those remote areas? Is the federal government trying to step in and do it? What is the solution for these remote locations that still are struggling to to find the adequate bandwidth? Um, specifically in the tribal areas, the FCC has a inquiry going right now. The comments were due actually last week on it. Uh, to try to make things easier from an e-rate standpoint. Um, but until we get better infrastructure in those areas, it's going to be very tough. And I guess moving forward as districts look to utilize e-rate funding, I think priorities are starting to change. So a lot of districts have relied on Category 1 funding to bring the Internet services into the building, now Category 2 funding to distribute that Internet service throughout into the classrooms. but as school districts are becoming more and more reliant on technology and the internet in its entirety, security has been an increasing concern. Do you see E-rate allowing the use of those E-rate funds for security firewalls and other measures that can prevent any kind of cyber attacks? And what do you kind of think about that um, as, as a proposition? Is that something that a is is doable now, and if not, do you see that maybe changing in the future? That is probably the biggest controversy in E-rate right now, but it's controversial only because it hasn't been funded by E-rate. Um, E-rate only funds basic firewall services, um, so if you order a fully featured firewall. Only a percentage of that is eligible for E-rate funding. And why is it? Is that just because the legislation and the language hasn't caught up to the need yet? Or is there a specific reason why the whole suite of a firewall can't be funded? You know, each year uh, the FCC puts out a draft eligible services list or what's going to be eligible in the next funding year. And basically, that's remained unchanged uh, over the last four or five, six years. And they put it out for public comment, and everyone says, you need to fund cybersecurity uh, services. And each year, the FCC says, this isn't uh, the vehicle for discussing what's eligible. Um, so it finally got to the stage uh, earlier this year where the FCC put out a special uh, call for comments on cybersecurity. Uh, those comments have been submitted. Reply comments have been submitted. Um, the universal answer is you need to make cybersecurity eligible. Um, the FCC has the ability to do that, um, but so far they've lacked the will. And the only reason that we can discern for that is they're concerned that anything they add to the eligibility list uh, 
is going to increase the amount of funds that are needed to be drawn down from the Universal Service Fund, and all it's going to do is push the contribution factor uh, to a higher level. Well, well, logic would kind of reason that, you know, as you had stated earlier, the cost per megabit has decreased, but I guess the needs are changing. So maybe they wouldn't need to increase the pool of funds so much, just shift the need because a lot of districts are already maximizing those category two fundings and have the distribution methods, but now are seeking just protecting that investment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the comments were filed said, you got to increase the amount of category two funding at the same time that you do this. Um, There's also, by the way, a side push. Uh, the, The chairman of the FCC would like to see Wi-Fi on buses made being made eligible. Um, okay. But there appears to be a two-to-two vote on the FCC on whether they're going to do that. Well, they have it on trains now in New York City. It's pretty great. I think that it only makes sense with buses. But, you know, what I'm seeing, you know, when, what you stated and echoing it and what we've read is that the tide is turning. There's a lot more pressure now. You bet. And it's been coming this year. So um, I believe that it will continue down that path. And eventually, uh, more funding will come. Uh, with that. Yeah, you know the other area, and it's not exactly E-rate, but it's 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 a, if you will, companion program, is that uh, with additional legislation in COVID, they came up with seven billion dollars for a an emergency connectivity fund that would support mm-hmm. home internet and devices for students to be able to use at home. Um, And that application process is all done. Um, There's a hope that we can continue to get additional funding for that that's not E-rate funding. Um, Because right now, E-rate itself only supports funding, you know, on campus. Yeah, we at my district are actually able to take advantage of that ECF fund, which was uh, very helpful, especially during COVID. Yeah, and the end of that is coming if, assuming you applied for enough, uh, the last day of service for that is this coming December 30th, 31st. Correct. Correct. Winston, what do you, you know, I, I want to kind of get an overall summary here uh, for our <laughs> listeners, only because this is so much. This is extremely comprehensive, um, beyond so, um, that. Really, if you had to maybe, you know, like how you gave that little little blurb where you tell your wife, which is great about what E-rate is. I like that. I'm going to use that myself. <laughs> um, what should school districts do, really, to maximize their funding efforts overall and, and more easily view and also keep track of the statuses of their E-rate funding application? Because this is critical. I think it goes back to like one of our earlier questions um, that, that we posed, how it's not all being utilized. And it's key. If the money's there, the government has it for us, um, you know, we should maybe try to find more effort. So how would you speak to that? Jack, I think that's a couple of things. Uh, One is you need to recognize that although E-rate is not a full-time job within a school, it is a full-year job. There's something going on all the time. There's deadlines and stuff like that. Um, So 
we're seeing many schools with approved applications not always using the funding. I hate to see that. Um, but if I go in and look at some schools, particularly that are trying to do this on their own, I will see two or three years where they have approved applications. Um, and then they have never actually asked for the discounts that go with it. Um, that's just a terrible thing to see because then you have a school that went through all of the red tape to get approved funding and then that never actually used a dime of it because they felt that once they had their application approved that their work was done. Um, but you've got to go get the discounts themselves. Either the service providers have to discount the bill, but the schools have to ask them to do that, or they have to pay for the service and then at the end of the year, seek reimbursement for the discount. So you're seeing that these school districts are really just kind of going halfway, right? They're not finishing exactly. the entire process. Right. Yeah. Got it. And it is really involved, and I'm, I'm sure consulting services like yours obviously make sure that those applications are complete and, and followed through 100%. So that's a, that's, it's a big task. It's an all-year job. And, it know. is. And then emails come weekly. I tell you, this is so helpful. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it comes to Form 470, you got to get in, you know, make sure yeah. in the time yeah. frame. Yeah. I, I love it because you're right. It is all year round. And you got to keep your eye on the wheel. But at the same time, you got so much going on in the road, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So Winston, as before we sign off here, we always offer our guests an opportunity to impart a piece of advice to our listenership. So whether you're talking to a school business official who is just starting out and barely knows what E-rate is, or if you're talking to a business official that's been in the seat for 30 years and has been doing E-rate, you know, no problem. What kind of advice can you impart on our listenership today? <laughs> you know, John, whenever I run into someone who has just been assigned E-rate within their district. My question is, what meeting did you miss? <laughs> yeah, how'd you, how'd you draw the short straw? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, because it, it does take work to do that. Um, there are a lot of consortiums out there that can take over a lot of that work uh, we're seeing that in New York with BOCES, but um, we're seeing uh, statewide consortiums, uh, particularly for uh, broadband internet services. We're seeing it through, in some states, through regional educational service agencies. Um, so for districts that have been doing it themselves when there are consortiums available, um, the way to do it is to is to change and look at that. Uh, there is also some good data out there if you want to look at a, a if you're a business official in a school district and you want to get a feel for what has the district done and, and what's it used the funding for and how successful it's been. Um, you know, the program administrators, USAC, Universal Service Administrative Company, has a series of data tools, um, but they're fairly involved and, and only really give you a good look at a funding year by funding year basis. Um, but there's some good data out there 
people that go to our site, right on the, the first page, there's a lookup function, and you can go in and look at a specific school district and look at their funding back to 1998 and drill wow. down into individual funding requests. Um, so it sounds like if you see E-rate on a meeting agenda, you better show up to that meeting so you don't get stuck with it. But Absolutely. if you are in charge of E-rate, there are a lot of resources <laughs> out there. So you're not, uh, you're not in the lurch. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, yeah. Wow. Well, Winston, yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. This is uh, a lot of detail that I know everyone's going to get um, a lot out of and hopefully it makes their mm -hmm. E-rate experience a little easier. So we appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning into SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Winston. A lot of technical information there, and hopefully yeah. we'll see the evolution of E-rate in the next couple of years as those those public hearings are really trying to push the issue of cybersecurity, firewalls, all of that. I think so, John. I think that they're pushing it, and that um, you know there's so much pressure because it's not just in one front. Uh, it's not just schools, it's also banks. There's also a lot of different areas, ancillary right. to schools as well. Um, but I, I have to say this, that um, Winston was extremely knowledgeable. I mean, he seems like, you know, he's been around been for doing the start, it for 25 right? years, right? Yeah, and so um, he knows all the ins and outs, you know, what makes sense, the rural situation. Um, they're still trying to combat that, but, um, you know, Which is crazy like in 2023 that, you know, there are some schools that still are struggling with, with broadband access. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Um, but you know, it is it is like I mean, think about it. Schools are everywhere where there are families with children, and um, some of these areas if they don't have that. Like you said, you know, Those it's, tribal it's areas still, very remote. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. But you know, overall, I have to say that um, this episode um, not only really breaks it down because I got to say, the first time I heard about E rate, I still didn't get it for like a year or two. <laughs> You it's complicated. Know, and, yeah, I'm not saying I couldn't get it, but you know, just the whole process and the consultants, he's right. You know, we have moving parts all year round um, to keep up with it. It makes sense. Um, but you know, the biggest piece I think about it is that, you know, really the trends. Like when I started, John, honestly, um, category one was all we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like telecommunications and, you know, just to see how it's transformed through the years. Um, and that's why I said it will, get eventually get to so and, and hopefully soft. that speaks to the success of the program because theoretically category one was bringing internet services into the building now mm -hmm. that there's a shift to category two that would only lead me to believe that a lot of those districts have that service right coming into the building sans those rural yeah. schools but it's good to see that the fcc is changing with the demand hopefully and now that we need to get wireless inside the buildings more reliable wireless and mm -hmm. hopefully that trend will continue, as I said earlier, with the cybersecurity. Yeah. We'll see that. And the, the money is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the money is there. So hopefully we see that evolution again. I don't know if they call mm -hmm. it category three or they lump it into category two, but whatever it is, hopefully yeah. that cybersecurity piece is, is implemented. But at any rate, uh, thank you all for tuning in yes. today. Uh, we Thanks enjoy so these episodes, these conversations week after week. And with that, we'll see you next week. See you next week.